You know, wherever Jesus went, he drew huge crowds. And why not? I mean, after all, he was God on earth. And he taught powerfully. He performed miracles. And it seemed like he may be a man of the people or maybe even a God for the people. You know, it was attractive. And so huge crowds began to follow Jesus. But Jesus wasn't interested in the crowds. You know, crowds are fickle. Crowds are filled with people who have all kinds of different motivations. And you can imagine what some of those motivations might be. I mean, some are just looky-loos. They're just curious about uh, what Jesus is doing, want to see for themselves what all the hype is about. Others, you know, could have political motivations and they see Jesus attracting these huge crowds and they want him to join their cause. We know that there were those who saw Jesus as a threat to their way of life, to their religion, and to their power structure. Of course, there were a large number of people that were attracted to Jesus because of the hope of healing. They were at the end of their ropes and they had nowhere else to turn. It's probably fair to say that, you know, most of the people that were there were there in search of what Jesus could do for them. And if you're building, you know, a movement, you want to start a revolution, you want to have any kind of aspirations to changing society, you probably would want to attract the largest crowd possible. But that's not what Jesus was about. He never cared about drawing a crowd. He could attract huge crowds. But when he did, he always whittled them down. See, I think Jesus saw through the fickle crowd. And he wanted his followers to want him and not just want what he could do for them. And so we see Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 with another huge crowd around him. And it's at this point that uh, he begins to employ a different kind of teaching style. He begins to tell stories that seem to reflect very simple everyday things that happen in life. But obviously there's something more to the story. And when Jesus starts using these parables, it really throws his disciples off. You know, the parable of the soils uh, here in Matthew chapter 13, also called the parable of the sower, is the first of Jesus' parables. And it so utterly confounded his disciples that Jesus uh, felt the need to explain the meaning of the parable, at least in part. You know, the beauty of parables is that there are hidden treasures of truth to be uncovered as we seek to understand them through the mind of God. And Jesus wants followers who are willing to seek to uncover those hidden treasures. So let's read Matthew chapter 13. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places 
where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. There are aspects of this parable that Jesus doesn't explain. Now, it's not unusual for Jesus not to explain his parables. As a matter of fact, it was more unusual for him to explain his parables. So, although he uh, does explain a good portion of this one, it still wouldn't be out of his character to not explain all of it. And so the question is, what do we do with the rest of this one? Do we ignore it? Do we think that it's not important, it's irrelevant to the greater meaning of the story? Or maybe this is just training to do what Jesus would expect us to do with the rest of his parables. And that is, search for the hidden treasure of truth. So let's try that. You know, I must have read this parable dozens of times, hundreds of times, I don't know. I've even taught it several times. But there's just this aspect of this parable that's always struck me as strange. And it's the part of the story that Jesus doesn't explain, of course. But I've always thought it's unusual that the sower doesn't take more care with his seed. You know, if this story were told to a bunch of farmers, they would think that this sower was out of his mind. I mean, he's just extremely wasteful or careless. I've always thought, maybe even been taught, that if you want a garden, the first thing you have to do is tend to the soil. But the sower in this story doesn't seem to be concerned at all with the condition of the soil. He just spreads that seed wherever he goes, wherever it falls. So my question would be, why is the farmer so careless with the seed? And the answer is that it must be intentional. Now this is a parable. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so this is really a picture of God. And he's sowing the seeds of his word in the world. And, you know, I can't help but be reminded that whenever we see a picture of God in the Bible, it's really a picture of what the church is to be in the world. The church is the body of Christ. And Jesus said that he was the light of the world and told us that we are the light of the world. And when I see God doing something in the spiritual realm, whenever we get a picture of him doing something, we have to know that it is our job as the church to carry it out in the world. So in this story, God is the sower and his body, the church, does the sowing. In this parable, the sower simply spreads his seed everywhere. He doesn't prepare the soil, stay in the field, or carefully place the seed. He's just indiscriminate with where it lands. And so one obvious implication is that You know, there's no scarcity of seed. Well, the average farmer may have to be very careful with the seed that he has because he has so much invested in it. The Word of God is free, and it has a never-ending supply. This is the grace of God, abundant and free, but the abundance 
doesn't diminish the value of the fruit. You know, what's produced from the seed is of tremendous value. It needs to be sown everywhere so that the entire world can know the goodness of God. That's why he pours out his blessings on the just and the unjust. The word of God, his grace and mercy is for the entire world. There's an endless supply. You know, this confirms the great commission that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Everywhere we go, we're to spread the good news of Jesus. It's not as if there will be less God when we do. In fact, the more we sow God into the world, the more we will see of him. And that's how seed works. It's only when there's a scarcity of seed that a farmer needs to concern himself with how much and where it goes. You know, another observation is that the condition of the soil is not the responsibility of the farmer in this story. This parable is all about the soil. The explanation that Jesus gives defines the different soils. And what Jesus explains is that the soil represents the conditions of the heart of the people to receive the word. You can read the parable to find out what those conditions are. I will say uh, this, that because we all have free will, the condition of the heart is a personal choice. Not even God controls the heart. Now, there may be a con- discussion to have about uh, God hardening the heart of Pharaoh, but we're not going to talk about that here. Just in general, we know that God gives us free will, and He doesn't control our heart. So if we, as the church, are attempting to carry out this picture of God sowing the seed into the whole world, we know that it is up to us to sow the word of God into the world. In doing that, one concern that we may have is whether the person we're sharing the gospel uh, with, the word of God, is whether they're receptive or not. And you know what? That should never be our concern. We're simply called to spread the seed. You know, Paul said that he planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So we may share the word of God with someone and even explain and encourage them to grow, but really the end result is between that person and God. It's the condition of their own heart and the work of the Spirit of, uh, and, and God's word that will determine whether that seed bears any fruit. And we don't have to worry about how people will respond. We simply give the gospel a chance to do something in someone else's life. And when I look at this parable, another thing that I I take from it is that God truly desires his kingdom to take effect everywhere. He wants the word spread far and wide. I can't help but think that the church keeps praying for growth. She keeps wanting to have this great explosion of of, uh, people coming to their doors. But I don't see a lot of people spreading the word, sowing the seed. Everywhere we go, we should be sharing the good news of Jesus with people. And why not? I mean, the gospel is 
the good news that can bear wonderful fruit in all who believe. It has the power to transform lives and in doing so, transform the world. The grace of God is abundant and free. That doesn't diminish its value. This world would become so much more beautiful, like this beautiful garden, if the word were just to be spread more abundantly. And maybe that's the paradigm shift we need. Maybe we need to be less concerned with spreading the word more effectively and more about spreading the word more abundantly. My final observation is that the condition of the soil is not the responsibility of the farmer. This is a huge thing for me personally because I often worry about the outcome. I want the words I share to be effective. I want what uh, I have to say to bear fruit. But you know what? The result is between the hearer and God. It may not even be a matter of how effectively I proclaim the word. If the hearer's heart is open, even a simple message can have a huge impact. But if it's hardened, you know, not even the most powerful and eloquent and stirring message will have any impact. You know, I'm free to just share the good news of Jesus without any concern for the outcome. And when I do that, I give the opportunity for the Word of God to take root and to produce fruit in others. And who knows? The more that we do that, the more that we will see God in this world. And who knows? Maybe even the world can be changed through the power of the Word of God. Thank you.